care of one housekeeping matter. Uh, we have the joy of hosting a men's connect group over across the street at the Parsonage on Sunday mornings for guys, middle school and up. And my wife fixed a crock pot of some good stuff for them this morning and it dawned on me during the service a minute ago, I didn't turn the crock pot off. And um, so uh, we don't want to have holy smoke long about uh, noon this morning. Uh, I don't want to end the service with calling the fire department, and so my wife's going to have to run across the street and turn the crock pot off, but uh, anyway, uh, if you really want to mess your worship up, all you got to do is just be in the middle of it, and all of a sudden you think, I didn't turn some off at the house, I probably should have turned off in the house, and then the visions of the Lord become visions of fire trucks and smoke and all that kind of good stuff, and so anyway, thank you for your patience with me uh, this morning. Uh, that's the, the man side of me coming out, all right? And my wife always makes sure everything's turned off like it should be. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That's true in any organization, and it is true in the church. Everything rises and falls on leadership. When leadership is walking closely with the Lord and living out of the context of His Word, then we're going to be okay. But when we're not, we're in trouble. And for those who are in leadership, and when I say leadership, it, it goes from pastor to deacons to connect group leaders, folks serving uh, really in any capacity, when we are serving in leadership, we got to stick to the script. And that's how we make sure things rise and don't fall. And the script is the Word of God. And if we stick to the script, and that is the teachings of God's Word combined with living out what His Word teaches, then we'll keep things rising. If we don't stick to the Word, then we're going to be in trouble. The Apostle Paul writing to a young man that he mentored named Timothy basically says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, stick to the script that God has given you. And our focus this morning as we ordain a new deacon is on Christian leadership, spiritual leadership in the church. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is the author here. He is towards the end of his life, we believe within two years of being martyred for the faith. He is in Rome. Now, Paul had two Roman imprisonments. The first Roman imprisonment lasted two years. He was essentially under house arrest. He was able to receive people, send out letters, hence his prison epistles. Um, he was able to talk with folks. It was a fairly laid-back imprisonment in terms of the harshness of it. Uh, he had a Roman soldier with him all the time, but he had a lot of freedom to communicate and so forth. He leaves that imprisonment. He begins to travel again in the Roman Empire. He is re-arrested, and this time he is taken back to the city of Rome, but he is put into what would have been called the inner prison at that time. And the inner prison was basically this huge prison area that uh, folks were placed into who were one of the harshest punishments from the Roman Empire, and it was very difficult to find people. 
It was not like nowadays when you could walk up and, hey, I want to see Paul. Well, he's in cell, you know, such and such, and we'll arrange for you to see him. Basically, you were thrown back in there and forgotten about. In fact, in this chapter, Paul refers to a guy by the name of Onesimus, and he says, Onesimus searched hard to find me. And the reason for that is Paul was in a place in that imprisonment, deep in that imprisonment, where it would have been very difficult to have found him. Paul talks about the fact that he's asking for a cloak. No doubt he was cold and he was damp in there. He says, please bring me the books and the parchment. He was bored. He really didn't have anything to read or to do. He says he's lonely. He only has Luke with him. So in 2 Timothy, he is asking Timothy, who would have been in about his mid-30s, we believe at the time, for Timothy to come and visit him because of the loneliness that he would have been struggling with there. So Paul's in a tough place. He's also in a place that because he is in prison, and he refers to that as being in chains, that people are ashamed of him. People who have known him and walked with him and served with him throughout the Roman Empire, some of them have decided they don't want to identify with him anymore. If you were in chains in those days, it was considered to be a a humiliating place to be. And, of course, you were in trouble with the government. Also, if you associated with someone who was in prison by the Roman Empire, uh, you had a good chance of getting imprisoned yourself if you went to visit them and hung out with them because you were identified with them. And the empire would have said, hey, this guy is trouble because he's hanging out with somebody who is in trouble. Now, Nero is the emperor at that time, and Nero was on his own personal crusade of trying to wipe out Christianity. Part of what Nero was doing is that the Roman Empire was beginning to go into decline. He needed a scapegoat. So what did he do? He blamed the Christians. And if you're going to blame the Christians for the problems of the empire, then the chief person to blame is Paul because he was the most prominent of the Christians at that time. So this is sort of the situation that he's in. Now, as he writes Timothy, he knows that the end is relatively near. Bible scholars think he's probably about two years from losing his life and being martyred for the sake of following Christ. He is suffering, has suffered, and is suffering dearly for the faith as he writes these words. He says to Timothy as he moves through this first chapter here, he says, Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. In other words, you take what God has placed in your life and you fan it into flame just like if you had a warm ember on a fire and you blow into that fire and fan that fire and it explodes into a great blaze. That's what you're supposed to do with the gift that God has placed in your life. He tells Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind with which to serve him with. And then again, the focus of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, these three letters together, basically focused on spiritual leadership. And Paul is saying here, hey, I'm suffering. And Timothy, I want to encourage you to be prepared as one of God's leaders who's essentially going to take over after I pass off the scene to be prepared to suffer for the sake of Christ. But I want you to know that I've got great confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ even as I'm in this jail and even as I am suffering. Because Paul had discovered and lived out this truth that the circumstances of your life do not determine the greatness of your faith. It is the person and the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ that determine and need to determine the greatness and the depth of our faith, not the circumstances of our life. When Paul said in that jail, in the coldness of it, the isolation of it, 
the loneliness of it, and he looked around. His circumstances were anything but encouragement. But as he sat in that jail, he looked beyond that jail. He looked to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That was the confidence that he had in Jesus. So he said, Timothy, stay at it. Stick to the script. Stay with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will see you through. Let's join his words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I want to read it again. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now, in this passage, and my message outline is, is in your Rocky Mount Connection, your bulletin this morning. There are several key words that I want us to cue in on and sticking to the script that God gives us, particularly as leaders. The first is going to be the word pattern. The second is going to be the word deposit. Paul says in verse 13, Timothy, I want you to follow the pattern of the sound words. And what are those sound words? They are the words that you have heard from me. And how did you hear those words from me? You heard them in faith and love. How are you to follow those words? You're to follow them in the faith and love. And what kind of faith and love? It's the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, he says, first of all, I want you to follow the pattern of the sound words. The word that's translated pattern there was used in those days to speak of a sketch or drawings that an architect would draw before he got into what you might call the detailed drawings that he was going to use. Uh, I've got some drawings here which are the blueprints for this room that we're sitting in right now. And if you look at these closely, and these were some of the original drawings uh, that were put together for this building back in 1978, 1979. These are not the in-depth drawings of this room. In other words, they don't show where every truss is going to be, where every beam is laid, etc. They give the broad outline of this facility and particularly of this room. So if you look at it, you get the general sketch of what this room was going to look like before it was constructed. So that when the engineers and builders pick these up, and looked at them, they got the broad framework of what this room was going to look like. And then you go into some other drawings, and they go into the detail of everything that went together to make this room possible. Now, what these drawings are, the broad general framework of this room, that is the idea of what he's using when he talks here about follow the pattern. What Paul is saying basically is, I want you to follow the broad general scheme of what I've put together for you, Timothy. Now, notice how he describes it. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you heard from me. The word sound there is a Greek word that means good health. And what he's simply saying is, if you follow the sketch, the sketch that I put together 
of the healthy words, the words that I taught you, the words that I spoke into your life, they're going to produce spiritual health in your life. They're going to produce emotional health in your life. They are going to produce the health that you need to live and the spiritual health that you will need to be the spiritual leader that I have called you to be. The healthier a leader is, the more health he's going to produce in the people that are listening and following him. So he says, I want you to follow the sketch, that framework of the healthy words, the health-giving words that I have spoke to you. Notice what those words are. They are the sound words, the healthy words that he had spoken to Timothy, that he had taught Timothy. Timothy, you are to stick to the words, the teaching that I have given you. Don't stick to the culture. Stick to what I have taught you. One of the challenges that leaders face all the time in spiritual leadership is there's always a temptation to try to stick to the culture more than we stick to the Word of God. Because if you stick to the Word of God, there are days when you are popular, and when you stick to the Word of God, there are days that you are not going to be so popular. And if you stick with the culture, yeah, there will be a lot of days of popularity, but often the more we stick to the popularity of the culture, the farther we have to walk away from the Word of God in order to do that. So what he's saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, you stick, you stay with that pattern, that framework. I want you to build your life, and I want you to build the churches that you have responsibility to oversee. I want you to build your Christian leadership around the framework of what I have taught you. Don't live by drama or anger or attempts to control people. In other words, live by the word. Now, he says, you are to live by the words that I have taught you that have come from me. What Paul did with Timothy is he related to Timothy as a mentor. Timothy, we believe, was in his mid-30s, which in those days in the culture of the Roman Empire was considered young. And so Timothy looked to Paul. Now, this is how Paul taught Timothy. He taught Timothy truth, the truth of the the Word of God, the truth of doctrine, etc. And we'll look at that more in a moment. But he also also taught Timothy by example. In other words, Timothy not only heard the word from Paul, he watched Paul live out what he had taught. And some of Paul's greatest teaching was done from a prison cell. It was done from suffering. Because Paul would say, look at what I'm going through. And I'm living out what I talked about. When I talked about loving Jesus, it's not just on the nice days, it's from the prison cell that I've loved Jesus. I've stuck with it when I've been in in jail and imprisoned, so I'm teaching you by example and by lifestyle. Christian leadership is not a journey in popularity. It is often a journey in suffering. And in this place of suffering, we teach. In the place of suffering, we role model. In the place of suffering and struggle and staying at it and with it for the Lord, we mentor those that are looking to us. And so Paul is saying, I taught you by those sound words, I have mentored you. Now, he says, I want you to follow that pattern of sound words that you heard from me, and how are you to follow? He says, I want you to follow in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, a key phrase, in Christ Jesus. You often see that prepositional phrase used over and over again with Paul's writings. Do it how? 
in Christ Jesus. Another place he'll say it in Christ. It is not just faith and love. It is the faith and it is the love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to get a picture of what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, as this leader that you're going to be, as this example that you have been groomed and trained and mentored for, you are to follow those sound words. You are to follow what I've taught you, both by example and by word. You are to stick to the script of the teaching that I've given you. But how are you to do that, Timothy? You are to do it in faith, faith that is Christ faith. Faith that Jesus produces within you. And you are to do it with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, leaders, spiritual leaders don't just lead. They have to lead if they're going to be effective in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It is one thing to lead. It is something else entirely different to lead in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason I want to emphasize those two prepositional phrases at the back half of that verse that it's in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus is because what I've observed over the last 30-some years in pastoral ministry is that if leaders don't lead out of the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus, they'll either lead people in the wrong direction or they will stop leading after a while. If you don't get the second half of that verse right, your leadership is going to be tremendously compromised and after a while, a leader won't lead anymore. Paul just didn't throw that phrase in there in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus to sound good. It puts something spiritual at the end of it. He's saying, you got to lead in faith, and you got to lead in love, and it's the love that is reflected of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does he mean by that, lead in that faith? First of all, the faith is the idea of trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. I lead out of trusting the Lord. There's two aspects of that that I want to look at. First of all, if I am leading out of a growing faith and trust in Jesus, I'm humble. Humility. Because trust and faith, by its very definition, demands humility. One of the traps of spiritual leadership is that when we get titles and people begin to look up to us, it is very easy to start thinking we're the hottest thing going. To get puffed up with pride. Well, I got this title. The church elected me to this. I am so-and-so. And the minute pride sets in, humility goes out the door, and so does faith. Because you see, what pride says is the faith is in, I got faith in me, not in him. And it's not a long trip from that before I don't need his guidance, I don't need his wisdom, I don't need his direction. All I need is me. And prideful spiritual leaders eventually do damage to the church. And instead of walking in the spirit, they walk in drama. And God has called us not to walk in drama. He's called us to walk in the spirit. And so when he says faith here, it is the idea of a humility that I have before the Lord as I serve him. It is secondly the idea of loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I have faith in him, I am loyal to him. Now notice the next piece there. He says the faith and the love that is in Christ Jesus. When I love Jesus, this business of knowing the Lord, serving the Lord, and walking the Lord with the Lord is not some kind of dry experience where I just grip my teeth and get through it every day as good as possible. Loving Jesus, 
brings a freshness and a spontaneity and an energy to serving the Lord and walking with the Lord. It replaces bitterness with forgiveness, hatred with love. And the idea here of walking in the love that is in Christ Jesus is that I love people the way Jesus loves people, and I learn to see people the way Jesus sees people. And that is a lifelong journey. We don't get to that piece overnight. Wish we did. So when he says love that is in Christ Jesus, it is the idea that I am loving Jesus out of loyalty. I am loving the Lord Jesus, and I am loving people and seeing people as Jesus sees people. And then notice what he says next. He says, guard the deposit that has been given to you. The word translated deposit there was a banking term in those days. And they had some interesting uh, ways that they did banking in those days. They, they didn't bank the way that we do now. Uh, but one of the things that you would do is that you would take a sum of money that you had and you would give it to a close friend and they would deposit, and the deposit meant that they would hold that money for you and then you would come back and receive it back someday. In other words, they didn't keep it forever. They would give it to you to hold, and then someday they would give it back to you. And sometimes people would say, hey, I want you to hold this money because someday I wanted to bequeath it to my children. So this friend of yours would hold the money uh, in their account or in their home until you gave it, they gave it back to you. And the idea here, Paul is saying, is that, Timothy, I want you to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. In other words, Timothy, I have deposited a whole lot in your life. I want you to guard that deposit that has been given to you. Now, what is the deposit that Paul had placed in Timothy's life? First of all, it was the deposit of doctrine. In other words, the teachings that we have in the New Testament. Teaching that Paul had given to him. The teaching concerning Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his coming again. Teaching about God, man, what is the church, salvation, what does it mean to know the Lord, how to live for him. He says, I want you to guard that. Now, one of the issues that Paul dealt with, and you see this in Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, etc., is that one of the issues the early church struggled with so much was heresy, false teaching that was spreading all over the place. And more times than not, the false teaching took two particular aspects. Number one, it made Jesus less than who he is. So a lot of the false teaching that went around said that Jesus is not the only son of God. He is a son of God. That Jesus is not the pinnacle of everything. Rather, he is sort of down the line a little bit. In fact, in Colossae, the issue was that there were angels that were higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they were always trying to find ways these apostates were to try to make Jesus less than who he is. That he is not Lord of lords and King of kings. That he's a great guy and a wonderful guy, but he's not at the top of the list. And what Paul said over and over again in his teaching was, Jesus is the 
only son of God. He is not a son of God. And that Jesus is not down the list. He is at the top. And that Jesus reigns supreme, always will reign supreme. And so, Timothy, you've got to keep the priority of Jesus at the top of the line for the church. The second apostasy they struggled with was that salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ was not necessarily all about Jesus. In other words, it was good works plus Jesus. It was following all of these particular habits and Jesus. It was always Jesus plus something else that enabled you to come to know the Lord. It wasn't just Jesus only. And so Paul writes over and over again, particularly in the book of Galatians, and he says that it is Jesus and it is Jesus only who secured your salvation. Anytime you start saying Jesus plus something else, you have gone off the rails. And so that's part of the big emphasis that he gives in the teaching. He says this teaching has been deposited into you. And again, it's everything he taught, the centricity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how our faith doesn't mean anything if we don't, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, that Jesus is coming again, what the church is, what salvation is, etc. Now, why do I emphasize this so much? Because spiritual leaders have got to guard the doctrinal integrity of the church. Those of you that are deacons, those of you that are Sunday school teachers, etc., one of your key responsibilities is to guard the doctrinal integrity of this church. If this church ever begins to move away from its belief in the authority and the inerrancy of this book, if we ever begin to move away from the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation is through Him exclusively, if we begin to move into mercury doctrinal waters, it is the responsibility of leaders to say, time out, we got to get back to what the core beliefs are. And that's what he's telling Timothy here. Guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. Stay on top of that. In order to do that, leaders, you've got to be a constant student of God's Word. You've got to be a constant student of the Word of God. Let me tell you the most dangerous place a leader gets when they think they know enough of the book that they don't need to read it and study it anymore. Or it's hard to get hap- haphazard about it. That's the most dangerous place you can get as a leader. Because then we start treading in our own wisdom and our own ability when we don't think we really need this book as much as we used to. So when he says guard the deposit, how do you guard the deposit? You stay a student of the Word of God. I don't care how long you've read this book and studied this book. It's just like getting into a gold mine that has got veins and veins and veins of gold. You may have hit a few veins already, but we have only just begun to discover what God has got in His Word, and leaders have got to stay students of the Word of God. Now, notice how he says you guard the deposit by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. The word that's translated dwell there means stationary. It is the idea that the Spirit of God is not going anywhere. The Spirit of the Lord has been placed in you, Timothy. He's not going anywhere. Leaders, the Spirit of the Lord has been placed in you. He's not going anywhere. So the Spirit of God who's within you will enable you and empower you to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul is saying everything, Timothy, I poured into you. 
in which you believe, everything I poured into you by my example, everything that I poured into you by mentoring you, you got to guard it. And how do you guard it, Timothy? You guard it by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. What is Timothy trying, Paul trying to say to Timothy? He's trying to say, Timothy, you got to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot trust yourself to guard the deposit. You cannot trust yourself to guard the deposit. You have got to stay filled and controlled and guided and taught and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way you're going to keep the deposit safe inside of you of all that God has put in you, particularly as a leader. How do you stay true to your calling? By the filling and controlling and leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. How do you stay with the Word of God? By the Holy Spirit of God taking the Word and just making it come alive inside of you and teaching you from the Word and empowering you with the Word. How do you face temptation and the desire to walk away and to involve yourself in sin by being filled and controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit of God? How do you relate to people on the good days and on the days that they're driving you up the wall because you were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so no matter what they're throwing in your direction, what you give back to them is the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the guidance. That's how you do it is the Spirit produces the fruit in you as a leader. How do you keep as a leader from wanting to give up and give out and throw in the towel? It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that has been placed inside of you. You have got to do it by the power and presence of the Spirit. And folks, I emphasize this this morning because, again, for 40 years as a leader, as a pastor, and then in doing youth ministry before that, I spent a lot of time looking at at leaders, pastors of churches, some that are well-known, etc. And I've seen some people go the distance for Christ, and I've seen a lot of them fall by the wayside. And the falling by the wayside always happens when they get out of the Spirit's discipline and out of the Spirit's filling, and out of the Spirit's control. It is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we think we got what it takes to go the distance, we don't have what it takes to go the distance. Only the Holy Spirit inside of us is going to empower us to go the distance. I've seen deacons over the years. The church goes through a rough patch, and they have to deal with tough stuff in the church, and they get discouraged, and they get frustrated, and they say, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And they'll literally give up being a deacon, and sometimes they will leave church and leave the faith. Why is that? Because they tried to go through it in their own strength and power, and you can't go through it in your own strength and power. You have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Pardon the expression, but when the Spirit of God fills you, you can go through hell and back if you have to. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not going to make it across the street and back. It takes the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said it again. He didn't throw that in there to sound real nice and spiritual. He said, you Spirit is dwelling in you. And Paul knew what he was talking about. Because Paul was filled with the Spirit. He's just sitting in that jail cell and wrote out what he was saying here. But it takes that. Leaders, I cannot plead with you and beg with you enough. One of the lessons I've had to learn the hard way over the years is every time I get discouraged, every time I want to give up, every time I get upset, etc., etc., what I have had to learn the hard way to do is before I react, get along with God. Get along with the Lord. Get along with the Lord in His Word. And say, God, would you speak to me? Would you help me to see this? And Lord, would you just fill me with your spirit so that I respond to this 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we lead out of the power of the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these basic instructions that Paul gives for us to follow the pattern that you've given us. And Jesus, to minister, to lead out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we invite you, particularly those of us who are in leadership, to discipline us to live and to lead out of the pattern that you've given us and out of the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.